We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined as always by Benny Ricciardi as we spotlight the tight end and defense positions for NFL's Week 6 action. You can find Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and over at Rotocurve, Rotowire, and as a featured writer on the DraftKings Playbook. You can also follow me on Twitter at JoshHayesFS and find me hosting the Daily Slant DFS show and writing for ProFootballFocus.com. The Rotowire DFS podcast is now available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you get a chance to rate and review us, please go ahead and do so, and don't forget to share and subscribe. Benicio, my man, how's it going here in week five? How's the results happen for you? Uh, they were okay. It was kind of mixed results for me. Um, I did not have a good weekend on FanDuel. I had a little too much uh, Giants defense and Jamal Charles. Um I also had a little bit too much of Clay and Owen Daniels sprinkled in on some of my rosters over there, so that did not work out well. Uh, DraftKings, though, it was a good weekend, and Fantasy Draft, it was a good weekend, and Fantasy Aces, it was a good weekend, and Stars Draft, it was a good weekend, and um, a couple other ones. So overall, I, I made a little bit of money this week. Definitely wasn't one of the better ones I've had, but uh, you know, not going to really complain about it. Yeah. For me, you know what it all came down to? Um, Giants defense? No. The Le'Veon Bell last play of the game. Oh. Direct snap, wildcat touchdown. That is the difference between me winning um, a good number and uh, straight up in the loser column. So I was actually hoping that it was going to be like a three-yard quick out, 
they wouldn't get it, or it would go to Bell, and he'd punch it in, or give me overtime, and mm-hmm. then I can get some Le'Veon Bell action um, uh, in OT. I was just like, just give me OT. Just miss it and, get, and give me overtime. I never thought that they were really actually going to go for it. That was pretty ballsy. Um, but, you know, you, you have to trust what they think is, you know, top two running back. Maybe they think he's the best running back in the game to get a yard, uh, you know, at the goal line. So Yeah, I, I mean, I think Seattle wishes they would have done that last year. So, you know. <laughs> you know, here's the interesting thing about that. I just And I've said this over and over, um, but people, nobody wants to hear it because everybody just likes bashing Seattle for what, what, I mean, you know, everybody assumes is a bad, bad play call. I think it's less of a bad play call personally than uh, as opposed to just poor execution. Like you don't you know, fit a ball into a window um, like that in that spot. Either guy's open or he's not open. But uh, Marshall Lynch was like 33% converting um, uh, inside the five or with two yards or less at the goal line in 2014. So he wasn't even actually that good at the goal line. Not to say that you shouldn't still give it to him. I mean, I'm, obviously that's, that sounds like the, the no-brainer, but I'm just, hey, just that's a factor for me. He's not that good converting it. It shouldn't be because he had a monster season. It doesn't make a ton of sense. But when you think about it, too, you know, it's it's a 10-man front, basically, for, for the run games. So I don't know. We're talking about two different things. But I just wanted to point that out because everybody is on board as it being the worst call in the world. And I think it's uh, not the worst call in the world. It actually makes some sense to me. Uh, you know, like you see, for instance, like the Joe Flacco um, Cleveland Browns game. They completely stacked the run. This probably would have been a better play for them to run. They stacked the run, and he just bootlegged, and wa- and Joe Flacco walked into the end zone by himself. I would have much maybe that would have been like a safer play rather than having to put the ball in the in the air. But see, I I mean I actually would have liked to have seen them do something a little more along those lines if they weren't going to give it to Marshawn. Like run some kind of bootleg where you get Russell Wilson to the outside where he could either run it in himself if he sees it that way or. You know, he still has the option to throw a pass in that situation. To me, that would have made more sense <clears throat> than, um, you know, trying to spread him out and, and throwing a quick pass over the middle into traffic. I mean, but again, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. And, you know, my I, my dad was a, a basketball coach growing up, so I always was of the mindset that, you, you know, he used to have a saying, you, you go with the uh, girl you went to the dance with. And uh, for Seattle last year, I think Marshawn was the one who took them there. And at the one-yard line with a couple chances with my best player, I, I still think I would have put it in his gut because even if he didn't get in the end zone, I could live with myself in the offseason knowing that, hey, I gave my best player an opportunity from one yard away to get in there. Um, you know, it must have been a long offseason for them sitting there thinking, you know, hey, we threw an interception with a chance to win the Super Bowl after working all season to get there. So, But like you said, it happens. Yeah, I mean, to each his own, and um, I'm glad we kicked off this uh, the first eight minutes of this show by talking about anything but DFS for Week Six. So let's go ahead and dig into it. We're covering tight ends, we're covering defenses. We're going to start at at the tight end position, which has gotten pretty interesting, uh, Benny here for through the first five weeks of the season. We got some guys sliding. We got some guys jumping into the mix here. Who are your uh, top cash games and GPP options coming into Week Six? All right, I'm going to actually start discussion. Without talking about Gronk. Not that I'm not going to talk about Gronk at some point, but I'm going to go somewhere else to start the discussion. And that somewhere else is going to be Antonio Gates. And, I mean, basically, if anybody watched the game last night, you saw that not only is this guy back and he's fine, but he's going to be a big part of that offense for him. And the reason why I want to start the discussion with him is I think he's going to be 
far and away the highest owned tight end this week on every single site. And the reason for that is something that we've talked about before, that the sites put out the pricing for next week before the Monday night football game. They put it out usually on Sunday. So Gates' price on DraftKings is only 4600 His price on FanDuel is only 5500 And based on what he did yesterday, if they were going to reprice it today, I would think that DraftKings would have him somewhere in the 6K range, and FanDuel might even have him, you know, in the high 6Ks or, or maybe even up to 7K. Um, so you're basically getting a huge discount on this guy, 20 to 25% based off of where I would think he should be in most spots. So he's definitely somebody that is going to be in play. I mean, he caught 69 balls last year, had 12 touchdowns. Now that's a huge stat for me. This guy catches touchdown passes. He's a huge red zone target. He's been with Phillip Rivers for a long time. So Rivers trusts him and looks for him when they get in those situations. I mean, he came off a suspension after missing four games, had three catches on that first drive last night, and capped it off with a touchdown. And next week, they're going to be on the road. They're an underdog against the Packers, so they should be throwing the ball a lot. You should probably even get some garbage time out of him, and he is a good guy in garbage time because if teams are playing that prevent, he's the one who finds the uh, you know hole in the zone underneath and gets it. And like I said, he's so cheap this week that, I mean, he's going to be in a lot of people's rosters. So for me... Probably the number one tight end, you know, if you're looking at price and and projection, is going to be Antonio Gates for this week, no matter what site you're playing on. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. You're getting the great benefit of the, um, you know, the the late game matchup in this spot, which you always get to do whenever, um, you know, the DFS sites have to put these prices out Sunday afternoon to get as many players in as possible. So uh, the play makes a ton of sense for me. and uh, just talking about some of these guys in, in the same mix here, I think we have a solid five, six, uh, six guys who, be, who can be pretty um, make a good amount of sense for cash games and um, um, some of your top options for GPPs. And then there's second tier has also gotten sort of interesting too, uh, depending on how you f- feel about the value. So I'm in there, Antonio Gates. There's just such a significant cost savings versus what you have to um, pay for Gronk. So um, that gonna be, that's going to be like one, two, three in terms of options for me. Um, well, let's go back to flip flip over to uh, Gronkowski uh, really quick. I want to talk about um, – I think the, the one good news about Gronk coming into this week here is the pricing is basically flat uh, on, on Gronk. You're not seeing um, too much of a price adjustment where they've capped him um, basically right now, with the exception of DraftKings. DraftKings decided to – um, raise them by another hundred, but seventy five hundred on DraftKings, and uh, what are we looking at? Uh, 86, 80, 8200 on Fanduel. Yeah. This is like basically the, the the top end of the tight end cap. I don't think they can raise it too much more based on their pricing system. So you know basically what to expect in terms of um, of pricing. Now it's just a matter of whether or not you fit him in. I think Gronk and and Brady can be just a stock and lock cash game play. I want to get your your opinion here. Though um, we take we took a look at the ownership percentages like we always do on our weekend update show here on Rotowire for the DFS podcast. Now with Gronk and Brady having like thirty percent ownership numbers, do you feel like that's uh, like a smart thing to do to be in line with the rest of of the crew for cash games in that spot, or do we or, or do you want to go with something a little bit safer because if it blows up, then you know you're going to have a much harder time cashing in your cash games on either side. Um. Well, last weekend, I did play Brady in my cash game. Um, I did not play Gronk, though. 
not that that means I wouldn't play him because of the ownership percentage, but I think what you what you really have to do, and this is something I've always said about about when you're playing Gronk, you can't look at Gronk by himself versus the other tight end that you're using. What you need to do is look at Gronk and the player that you have to take in order to fit him in versus the other tight end you would use and the player you could take if you didn't use Gronk. And what I mean by that is, you know, with him being 8,200 on FanDuel or 7,400 on DraftKings, most likely you're probably going to wind up taking him instead of a wide receiver or a running back who's at that same price. So you really got to look at it in a two-by-two situation where, you know, Gronk and the $4,500, dollars wide receiver or running back I have to take, what is their floor versus the floor of whoever the expensive running back or wide receiver you would take with the cheap tight end that you can get with them. Um, on DraftKings, it's a little tougher for me to pay up for Gronk because some of the tight end prices being down there in that like $4,000 range are just a little too enticing when you mix them together with the wide receiver at the same price with upside to take a pairing of Gronk and a cheap wide receiver. Um, over on, on FanDuel, though, I can justify paying up a little more for him because he is a touchdown machine. And from the tight end position on FanDuel, the thing that I think really separates a good day from a bad day out of the tight end is the amount of touchdowns that they score. Because with only the half PPR over there, you don't usually get a lot of 100, 150-yard receiving games out of your tight end. A lot of times it's, you know, six or seven catches for 60 or 70 yards, a lot of like eight to 12-yard passes over the middle. You know, stuff like that is what you usually wind up seeing. So over on FanDuel, I can pay up more for Gronk because he does have that higher probability of not only a touchdown but multiple touchdowns that could pay off that salary a little easier. So in cash games, I still think it's a good idea to take guys that are highly owned. Um, as long as you have somewhere, you, you got to be a little bit different somewhere. But you also want to take a lot of those high-owned guys, even if it's just because you have to feel that going up against somebody – if you have three or four of the same guys they do and you put in the time and you put together a roster that has as much upside as you can fit together for the money, you have to feel okay playing in a five-on-five situation against them. Because if you have another tight end and Gronk does do what Gronk does and scores two or three touchdowns and winds up with 25 or 30 points, you're never going to be able to make up those points on the rest of your roster. So on a site like FanDuel, I do wind up taking Gronk and cash a lot more often. On DraftKings, because of the way the pricing is this year, I think you can get away with taking a cheap tight end and giving yourself more upside by going after, uh, you know, two or three wide receivers with high targets and high prices. So that's how I've been playing it this year. All right, so I'm with you for the most part. I just, I'm taking the top to optimal options, even if for the most part, even if they're um, they're some heavily owned. But the the the, the question becomes. Uh, are you willing to um, sub out an option like Antonio Gates, given the the, the cost saving that's available to you, if you feel like the production is going to be similar? Now, th- what I want to do in in most of these spots too is is figure out. I guess the question, to, the answer to the question is, it depends. Is your lineup overall going to be stronger if you use Gronk in there, or if you step down a little bit and use Antonio Gates, even if you get uh, fewer points out of your tight end position overall? So mm-hmm. I think that's the the million dollar question there. Having said that, I probably want to roster um, Gronkowski in most spots at the tight end position if I feel like I can get value throughout the rest of my lineup um, 
and and better overall production. So I think we sufficiently cover Gronk and how to approach him there. Now here's the here's the other thing too. For me personally, I will throw my cash game lineup in um, in a GPP just because I feel like it's a pretty good strong lineup and it's good. In, it's it has a high, high probability of cashing, but not a high probability of winning the tournament. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's it's a money lineup, so I'm playing it. But for the most part, aside from my optimal cash game line going into a GPP, I'm probably not playing Gronkowski um, in a lot, any of my stacks or my GPP lineups. You you agree with that spot there? I, you know, like I'm I'm somebody who will throw in you know multiple entries into a tournament, but you know I'm not like a hundred entries or anything like that. I'll throw in you know somewhere between five and ten, depending on the size of the tournament and stuff. And when I do that, I rarely have him on more than one team. I usually do have him on one team because there is always a chance that he can go nuts. But if I'm throwing five to ten teams in, um, at most he'll be on one of them. Okay, fair enough. Um, you, I, I think that I'm just going to have cash game ultimate line of exposure in the GPPs, and that's where I'm going to leave it at. All right, so we've talked about uh, Antonio Gates. To me, those are my one and two options at the tight end position for, for week six. Who else uh, is making a strong case for you as uh, top-tier tight end options uh, for week six? All right, um, one guy who I've been looking at that I'm, I'm kind of interested in is uh, Greg Olson. Greg Olson has the most targets on uh, Carolina's team. Uh, Seattle's weak spot really is defending against the tight end. Not that they're really bad against it. You know, they're not at the bottom of the league. Um, but they are a team that has a, a top 10 fantasy points allowed against the tight end position. And it's mostly because, you know, you can't really throw to the outside against them. They're, you know, they have Richard Sherman on the one side. Their secondary is very good. They do a good job of um, shutting down wide receivers. So you wind up having to play ugly against them, you know, passes to the, the fullback, the tight end, the uh, – you know, the running back out of the backfield. So I do like him today. He's actually the most targeted tight end so far in 2015 in the entire NFL at uh, 8.5 targets per game. And he's also seen seven red zone looks already. So if anybody's going to score a touchdown on, on uh, that Carolina team against Seattle for me, it's probably going to be Greg Olson this week. And the reason why I do like him is I don't think a lot of people are going to be looking to take anybody in that game against that Seattle defense. So I think I'm going to get him pretty low owns with pretty good upside and a, a solid price today. A um, little expensive for me on FanDuel at 63, but I don't hate him over on DraftKings at 55 as a tournament option to come off of, you know, like I said, I mean, I think um, Antonio Gates is going to be just absolutely obnoxiously high-owned on both sites this weekend. So I am looking for some tournament rosters to find some guys I can go away from. And Olsen is the guy who gets the most opportunity. So to me, he's got... A little bit of merit, even in a bad matchup, which will uh, hopefully keep his ownership low for me. All right. I think those make a ton of sense. I think Tyler Eifert is just such a dominator right now. You see some of the balls that he's been catching lately. He's had a $1,400 price increase from the start of the season from 3500 up to um, up to where he is now. Has had um, you know a little bit of dud against the Baltimore Ravens, but... Um, I think he's in a very good spot once again here against Buffalo. Buffalo coming in into week six as the third worst um, pass rush um, in the NFL. So that's kind of surprising. You think, you know, Mario Williams and some of the guys that they have uh, available to rush the pass are supposed to be a strong front four or front seven. They're not getting home to the quarterback, which is why teams are passing on them so much. They've been still been stout against the run, which means you sort of expect that the the uh, Cincinnati Bengals are going to sort of do the same 60-40 pass run game that they've been doing. And Andy Dalton 
also according to PFF, number two overall rated or graded out quarterback through the first five weeks of the season. So those are all good things for Tyler Eifert. And I love the fact that he's under 5K on DraftKings. So I'm going to have some shares there. Now the next question for you is, how are you treating uh, Greg Olson, who's just been, you know, just all or nothing yeah, in the uh, these last few weeks? He's still one of the top options, still a top five tight end for me. Um, how much exposure is enough exposure for you? Well, here's the deal. For me, like I was saying, Olsen is strictly a GPP play, and I don't think he's going to be a guy who I have, you know, 40 or 50% of. I think I'll have him on a couple rosters. And like I said, the reason for that is I think he's going to be very low-owned, and he provides a swerve off of Antonio Gates. Not that Antonio Gates – I mean, to me, Antonio Gates is the cash game play easy, no matter what site you're playing next week. I just think he's so underpriced that, you know, there's no reason to really overthink that. So anybody else that I talk about outside of Gates this week is pretty much somebody who I'm looking at as someone to put on a couple tournament rosters just in case Gates does go out there and lay an egg. And, you know, kind of like you were saying – earlier and getting into a little bit with the Gronk question, if you think Gates is going to be incredibly highly owned this week and he does have a really good matchup and a good upside and such a good price, you really can't afford not to play that guy in your cash games because if you play somebody who's more expensive in cash, you're going to be hurting the rest of the roster that you have. And by not having him, if he does go off, you're letting a guy who's somewhat cheap go off and put up a big number where the guy who you're playing against has extra money compared to you with the guy that you used to build a better roster. So if you're giving him a lead and more money to build a better roster, it's going to be too hard to overcome that stuff in a cash game. So as far as cash games go, just plug Antonio Gates in. But as far as the exposure I'd have to a guy like Olsen, again, if I'm doing 10 rosters, I probably would look at Gates' ownership percentage and... For a tournament, I would probably want to be less owned than the field. So I think he's going to be 40% owned in uh, a lot of big tournaments this weekend. So I would probably look to have maybe like two lineups with Gates in it. Again, if I was doing 10 lineups, I would have eight other lineups. I'd be looking for other tight ends. I'd probably have Olsen in two or three of the other ones. All right, fair enough. So that's uh, now the next question here we have to get to is somebody who's made themselves case for a top five tight end. I know you saved this special for me. It's Gary Big Play Barnage mm-hmm. here for, for week six. So I'm going to give you my personal take and approach on the situation and um, we'll talk about uh, you know how what you're going to do in, in terms of ownership. Now just taking a look, just for reference, okay uh, the uh, Fantasy Labs Optimizer on Pro Football Focus, I'm going to tell you right now, does not have Gary Barnage in the top 12. Uh, he's maybe in the top 15. 4,400 price, so it's a, it's a middle second tier pricing. Um, he's projected for 8.2 points, and I think that's fair. That's okay. No, the reason why we just don't love this matchup is we've talked over and over how good the Denver defense is. Mm-hmm. Number one overall um, defensive grade in the game. They're the best defense. They're number one in terms of pass rush, and they're number two in terms of pass coverage. Now, having said that, if you are going to play Barnage, you still want to ride the hot streak. Um, they had had some. Titans have had some success. Travis Kelsey went four for 58, and then um, O'Shaughnessy for the KC Chiefs actually had that big splash play. He went two for 54, so combined that was over 100 yards from the tight end position, and I think we saw four for 61 from Eric Ebron. So you could still get some nice cheap safety valve play 
um, from Gary Barnage, but it's a tough, tough defensive matchup. And I just feel like, you know, for a, the same, for a similar price point that you have with Antonio Gates at 4,600 on DraftKings versus, um, you know, Gary Barnage at, where did I say Barnage was? Um, 40, yeah. 44 on DraftKings. 40, yeah, 44, just $200 um, savings. It's just not worth it. I mean, I, I'm not getting enough, uh, you know, of a discount or, or value um, to step down. So that's my personal approach in Gary Bonich. Having said that, I think for season-long leagues, he makes a lot of sense. So if you're listening to a DFS podcast for season-long advice, we can't help you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in the meantime, that's my general approach. You can find tight, 10 tight ends better than Gary Barnage, and this is coming from a Browns fan. So there's some real talk for you. All right, so we're in the second tier here, Benny. Um, let's go some, with some cheapies, some value plays at the tight end position. Who you like? Well, I mean, another guy, you know, I'm I'm looking at the guys down from the, the tippy-top range. You know, Martellus Bennett at 58 on Fandle and 48 on DraftKings is another guy I think you got to look at this week. Detroit has allowed the six most points to the tight end position in 2015. Bennett has seen 24 targets in his last two games. He caught 11 to 13 the first game, only had like four of uh, of 11 the other day. But, again, they looked horrible on offense the other day, and he still got 11 targets. So as long as he's getting targets, you know, he's got a good chance to come up with a pretty big game for you. I don't know the status this week of the wide receivers for Chicago. Um, again, you had Alshon Jeffrey out. You had Eddie Royal out. Um, if these guys are out and you're down to Bellamy and Marquise Wilson on the outside, you know, you got to think that Bennett is somebody who's going to see a lot of targets. So they should be trailing in this game. They should have some garbage time. They should be throwing late. I think there's a lot of reasons that you can look Bennett's way, um, especially on DraftKings where he's only 4,800 with the PPR. Uh, I think he could put up a really nice number over there too. So he's another guy that's definitely on my list. Yeah, I think those make a ton of sense uh, for you as well. Um, from the TP perspective, too, I think that um, if you step all the way down and you know Ben Watson for twenty five hundred, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't mind it too personally. He did end up um, cashing in for twelve point six. It's a pretty risky play overall, but you know there's just going to be a ton of volume, um, you know, with the New Orleans Saints playing uh, in the dome against Atlanta. So there's potential option for you. Richard Rodgers is always going to be a red zone target, thirty one hundred. Um, there as well has um, double digit fantasy points on DraftKings in um, I think at least three weeks uh, this year, this season. So mm-hmm. uh, something else to consider there a- as well. And then um, Jordan Cameron for 3K2, I mean, he's supposed to be one of the more productive options. He's thrown up three consecutive just overall duds. Hasn't seen a ton of targets there, but um, the matchup um, at Tennessee is one of the ones you can definitely exploit when as one of the softer matchups overall. I'm probably going to not you know, play Jordan Cameron. I just want to quickly mention that he should be on your radar if Ryan Tannehill ever gets in sync. We'll be interesting to see what happens with the new head coach and uh, coaching staff change for for Miami. Yeah, I actually, to be honest, I actually like Cameron a lot this week, um, especially over on DraftKings at only 3K. His price is just so cheap, and I think that week off, I mean, he's been playing hurt all season, so I'm waiting to see what they say about if he practice in full all week and if he's feeling better. Um, the bye week probably came at a really good time for him, so... He is somebody that we all expected to be a bigger part of that offense. And again, at only 3K, he's very capable of catching five passes for 50 yards and a touchdown. And that would be 16, uh, 16 DraftKings points over there for 3K, which would be five, over five points per thousand dollars of cost. So at 3,000, he's somebody in play. And then also, if you want to take a flyer, um, you, you know, Kirk Cousins likes throwing to the tight ends. 
And you know that the Jets have, uh, you know, good guys on the outside against the receivers. So if Jordan Reed is out again, you could always look at Mark Carrier, who I think is, I know he's minimum price on DraftKings at 2500 I think he might still be minimum price on FanDuel too, no? Wow, it's nice that uh, Mark Carrier revived his career from Bears safety to um, Washington Redskins tight end. So um, <laughs> nice that he was able to jump in there. Yeah, um, but yeah, he is very cheap. Uh, I do. I like that play as well. By the way, breaking news. I know this isn't the position we're covering, but Tyrod Taylor expected to miss multiple weeks. So I'm gonna. T- you know what I'm gonna do? Wow. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start stacking against some some bill some. Uh, some I'm gonna start t- taking some Bills opponents. I think the interceptions are gonna start flagging uh, over there in Buffalo. Who's Buffalo got on the schedule this week? I was just, to be honest with you, I am literally going to Vegas Insider to look at that game right now. <laughs> oh, Cincinnati. Oh, God. Andy oh, Dalton's going to make it rain. All the Cincy oh, day. Juicy. Yeah, um, it, we're going to get to defense here in a second. Any other quick tight ends you want to hit before we move along? No, I think we got everybody, to be honest. All right, before we get into the tight ends, I'm sorry, the defenses for week six, uh, I want to let you know that if you are staring at your fantasy opponent um, each week and thinking to yourself, I would love to challenge just one of his players, but not his entire team. But your, but your fantasy sports doesn't allow you to. Well, now you can on the all-new No Halftime app. The new, the new No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenge using players or teams. For example, you can pit Odell Beckham Jr. versus Megatron or LeBron versus Melo or Trout versus A-Rod. That's probably for next season, though, since they're not playing right now. Um, but creating a challenge takes seconds, and accepting challenges is even easier. No halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, college football, college basketball, and other sports. So join today and get started. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information for more information, and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone and your Android device. Receive a bonus by entering the promo code ROTOWIRE at sign up. No half- time where fantasy sports season never takes a break and we're not going to take a break Benny we're going to keep it rolling here with the defenses some I think we're in a similar situation here in week six where there's a couple ones that we love and then there's a bunch that we're just like uh you know if -hmm. you have enough Pepsi AC in your Mm -hmm. you know your bathroom cabinet uh, maybe you can take a chance but this is basically what I've been down to uh, every single week for the first five weeks of seasons just rotating between two or three defenses in my cash games and gpps how about you yeah um i honestly am somebody who has always been a firm believer in paying up for defenses like if there's a defense that's in a good spot and makes sense to you even if they're expensive figure out a way to fit them in because if you get 20 25 points out of your defense you win like you're gonna win get it makes up for a mistake or two that you make in your cash games and getting that kind of score out of your defense pushes you up from min caches to big caches or bubbling to the money, into the money. And, you know, a good example of this was the Denver defense last week who put up, like, I think it was 25 points over on uh, on DraftKings, probably had somewhere close to that over on FanDuel, too. I mean, you know, if you can get a big score out of your defense, it's really going to help you. So I have been paying up for defense in my cash games Last week, I decided to try to go cheap on some of my tournament rosters and take the Giants, uh, you know, at home against San Francisco, and that turned into a disaster for me. So I am going to go back to what has worked, and that is looking for defenses, you know, preferably at home, preferably ones that are favored, and preferably ones that have a history of, uh, you know, creating turnovers and getting sacks. All right, that makes a lot of sense. Um uh, for me overall. The the way I'm pr- approaching this here is I 
um, first of all, I want to find Denver every single week, mm-hmm. and and if um, if they're not too cost prohibitive and they're fairly affordable, just thirty seven hundred versus a couple of the other top options this week. It's a good spot on the road at Cleveland. Josh McCown has actually had rolled his ankle, so he might miss a day of practice um, as well. And um, I mean, I don't know if it matters, but Joe Hayden is um, likely to miss this week uh, out with a concussion. Uh, as well. So there's some bang-ups. The other thing, too, is I don't know where he is on the practice board as of yet, but Gary Barnard was limping down the stretch in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. in, in that game as well. So just another reason to sort of fade Cleveland altogether and get involved in Denver and stay away from Gary Barnard in week six. So I have no idea how healthy he'll be. Josh McCown uh, says he expects to play, um, but, you know, it sounds like he may not be 100% for week six as well. So Denver D up top for you. Um Let's talk about cash um, game ownership exposure. 100% on Denver. What percentage do you feel like you'll have? No, I think I think there are a couple other teams that um, you know that you could use this week as well. But I mean, Denver's been averaging only allowing 13 points a game. They're having 4.4 sacks a game, 2.8 turnovers caused a game, and they're averaging 17.2 fantasy points on DraftKings and 15 fan over 15 fantasy points on FanDuel. It's like having another running back in your roster or, or another, uh, you know, wide receiver three. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Denver is a team that you look at every week. Nothing about Cleveland really scares me. Um, you know, although they have thrown for like 300 yards in the last three weeks, I just think that this Denver D is one of the better ones we have in the league, um, arguably the best one in the league this year, and you can definitely roll them out there. But another defense who's been up there for a long time that I like, too, is Seattle this week against Carolina. Um, Seattle's defense has been dominant at home. They're favored by seven in this game. It's a low total with only 41, so they're not expecting a lot of scoring. Um, Carolina does have one of the weaker offenses in the NFL. And the Seattle D at home has only allowed 402 yards so far in two games. And I, I want to double-check on the stat, but it says that they've only given up four points, which leads me to believe they gave up a field goal and a defensive touchdown that the extra point counts as the fourth point there. That's pretty sick for two home games that they've had. And like I said, I remember the two home games they had after they started off 0-2, and they were pretty dominant at home in those two games, and they have been for a while. So I think Seattle's another team for only $100 more that you can roll out in cash or in tournaments as well. Yeah, I never really was, um, you know particularly threatened by the Carolina offense. I know that they're undefeated, but they mostly be getting it done on defense and with, you know, 18 to 20-something points, you know, like two touchdowns and two field goals, and it's like all cam all the time in that spot. So I do like the fact – I believe Seattle's at home in this matchup. Am I correct? Yeah, that's why I like it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be a very good spot for for them overall. The only issue th- with that is like for on DraftKings, you actually have to pay more than the Denver defense for that spot. So less value overall. I am um, interested to see uh, how Green Bay fares at home because they were um, they did pretty well uh, at home in Week Five. Turned over the ball, got a pick six. Now they have San Diego coming to town, who does have Antonio Gates, but. Philip Rivers has performed significantly worse on the road, uh, under 250 yards passing, has two interceptions on the road this season. In his home starts, he's gone for, I think, uh, 300 yards passing or more more in every single one of those starts. So it's just a completely different uh, offense. And, you know, they are traveling, I think, two time zones, not all the way over to the East Coast, but it is, uh, you know, a uh, West East Coast travel game for San Diego. So I might take take a gamble on a couple shares. 3,200 interests me. Um, in the Green Bay defense. And then we also talked about C- uh, Cincinnati 
I'm going. Um, I'm going to have a good amount of shares. I'm going to say like thirty to forty percent ownership in Cincinnati for three K on Fanduel against Buffalo, and that EJ um, Manuel under the helm. No confidence whatsoever. I know he had a pretty decent preseason, but it's the preseason. This guy has faltered at every single step of the way uh, at the at the pro level in the regular season. He's had a couple of decent spots in here, but Cincinnati is legit all the way around, offensively and defensively. So uh, I think they're going to be in a really good spot there. The next question I have is, uh, do we have the Cowboys on the slate? I haven't necessarily checked uh, for week six. Are the, are the Cowboys on bye this week? Um, they might be. Give me one second here. So I have the. I don't see them anywhere on the on the schedule. Nope, they're either on by the yeah they're on by this week because they don't even play oh, okay. the Thursday game. Yeah, because I think we're getting to the point too where you're going to start having to treat the Dallas Cowboys offense like a a spot for, um, um you know stacking in sort of a similar situation here with Brandon Whedon and maybe if Matt Castle enters a lineup which I don't even think is a a smart idea, personally, and how the guy who's been on the team two or three weeks is somehow going to perform better than Brandon Whedon. I know Brandon Whedon has been bad too, but I just think it's probably just going to be a, uh, an opportunity for disaster. You're going to they're going to push Matt Castle into trying to you know saying hey this is a guy who can make more plays for us. He pushes the ball downfield. They don't have capable wide receivers, and it just turns into more turnovers. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why he's just been shuffled around the entire league all this these many times from team to team to team. He's not that good. Yep. So uh, if you know, well, well, something to keep on tabs on coming into uh, week seven to see what they do with the quarterback situation. But either way, you want you probably want to jump in against uh, Brandon Whedon or uh, Matt Castle. All right. Um, so any sneaky defensive options that we need to discuss here? I know you've covered some of them down the line. We've talked about Cincinnati. Uh, we talked about how S- Seattle is highly priced, but probably potentially underowned because people don't feel great about them. Um, who else can we make a case for? Well, actually, I want to get your opinion on them this week because I am a little biased whenever it comes to my hometown New York Jets. But they're at home this week. They're favored by five. Um, mm-hmm. They're going – they have one of the they, – their line has some of the players that have some of the top run grades um, on PFF as far as, you know, defensive linemen against the run. So they're not a team that's easy to run on, which is what Washington really does want to do. I think that Kirk Cousins is very turnover prone. And I think that the Jets will be able to create a little bit of pressure and might be able to get some turnovers. And especially if you're looking at if they can get a little bit of a lead at home here and force Washington to pass, you're looking at a Washington team that's going to be without Jackson, going to be without Jordan Reed, and that's basically two of their top targeted, uh, you know, wide receivers. They still have Pierre Garcon, um, you know, but they're bringing up like guys like Carrier, guys like you know, Crowder, who's their slot guy, who's getting a lot more run right now. Um, I would be pretty happy if the Jets could get a lead in this game and, uh, you know, force Washington to pass. I think that that could turn into, um, you know, a really good day for the Jets' defense. So they're another team that I've kind of been looking at. But like I said, as a Jets fan, I'm a little biased. So I, I try to keep my ears open whenever I talk about them and make sure everybody else kind of likes them as much as I do. So what do you think about my Jets this weekend? I like them, actually. I'm glad you mentioned them, because so, I sort of overlooked them, because they came off the bye, so we don't have, like, you know, performance fresh in their mind, but they've been super stout against the run all season long, which Washington sort of needs to do to have any success in the passing game, and, you know, like you mentioned, the, the, the you know, the lack of depth and, and uh, availability for some of their offensive options uh, as well. Kirk Cousins is, you know, a mediocre quarterback as best. I think it's uh, less of an interesting play if Deshaun Jackson is actually healthy and plays, 
But having said that, the the Jets defense is going to be like one of my five teams that I'll probably expand to here for uh, week six as defenses that I'm going to rotate into my GPPs just for differentiation purposes or based on what I need to do for flexibility with pricing. So Jets, Cincinnati for me, Denver, Seattle I'll have a few shares of, and um, Green Bay I, I, I think I can make a case for there as well. Having said that, too, the lineup optimizer on PFS also likes the Arizona D on the road mm-hmm. at Pittsburgh. Yep. I'm okay with that. If it's still Vic under center, if Ben Lasselberger jumps into the lineup, which he's trying to do, then I'm off. So um, that's yeah, basically I could I, I could get on board with that as well. I mean, right now, the way I'm looking at it, though, is I'm pretty sure Vic is going to be the one under center. And after watching him last night, i got to be honest, if he should have thrown, like, two picks. Oh, basically. at least, at least two. There were two that he gift-wrapped um, that the that the San Diego corners just couldn't catch, and that's exactly what I was going to say. If there were any San Diego corners who had a decent pair of hands, they'd probably be wide receivers, but if they had a corner who had a decent pair of hands, he would have had a pick six last night because he laid a couple of them out there, like, that, that were not only ones that should have been intercepted, but were those kind that get intercepted and ran back because he just floated it to the outside somewhere. Like, very dangerous passes. So, Arizona's defense, 11 uh, interceptions already this year. I'd be a little bit uh, a little bit afraid if I was Mike Vick next weekend. All right, and I'm going to give you one more super deep play before we get out of here because we're out of time. Chicago defense on the road at Detroit. Matt Stafford is the worst, <laughs> the worst quarterback in football right now. Oh, man, Not he got benched. He got benched last yeah. week. I'm going to tell you right now, this is 100% serious. Right now, you can make a serious case for Kellen Moore starting. I don't know why they love Dan Olaski so much better than Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore has outplayed him in every preseason game, and the guy's on the street right now. He should not be on the street. He should be starting for the Detroit Lions right now because he has a better grasp on what they should be doing offensively than Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is killing everybody in DFS that cares about Amir Dool, that's ever tried to play Calvin Johnson. It's a mess. Right now, I mean, you, you, I, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to get that entire coaching staff fired. So in the yeah. meantime, I might for twenty four hundred on DraftKings, I'm going to have, a, I'm going to make sure I have like w- at least one share of Chicago D. You know what I'm going to do? It's going to be like in the quarter arcade or something like that. <laughs> but like, I, I'll just, I just want to share because he's so bad. Yeah. So something to keep in mind at, at at almost minimum salary at the defense position if you need to go super cheap for twenty four hundred. So that is going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Rotowire DFS podcast. Thanks for everyone for listening. Don't forget we're now available on iTunes and Stitcher for your downloading convenience. So be sure to give us a rating review. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to check out BennyR11 on Twitter. And you can check out uh, me on Twitter at Josh JoshHayesFS. Send all your comments, complaints, and questions. And we'll be here tomorrow with another edition of the Rotowire DFS podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. And I just want to say real quick before we sign off, today's my son Colin's birthday, and I know that my wife and them listen. So happy birthday, Colin. Happy birthday, Colin. We'll see you next time.